In this episode, I continue our audio masterclass in the polyvagal theory with the dorsal vagal shutdown state of parasympathetic immobilization. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage family therapist obsessed with the polyvagal theory. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. There are lots more polyvagal theory resources on justinlmft.com, including some one-pagers that I created for you to download and print and share in your classes or with your clients or whoever you want justinlmft.com in the resources tab. But before I get into things, please put yourself first. I do keep every episode as safe as I possibly can, but just by the nature of the topics, you may experience some stuff come up, so take a break if you need to. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. We will be visited by Deb Dana and Dr. Portis once again. In this episode, Dr. Portis created the polyvagal theory, and Deb Dana is a polyvagal-informed therapist who is a big name in the polyvagal space. We're talking about the shutdown polyvagal state, shutdown. This has an evolutionary benefit, just like the safe and social state, just like the flight fight state, there is a benefit to shutdown. If safe and social is for social engagement, which it is, and if flight fight is for mobilization, then shutdown is for immobilization. Shutdown is for immobilization. It's a it's intended to be a conservation state. In this state, we are conserving resources versus burning through resources when we're in the sympathetic flight-fight state. In that state, we're using resources at a pretty high level. In the conservation state, we are, well, we're conserving resources. In this state, everything slows down. Our very biology, everything slows down. This is a state that we enter when we can't run away or we can't fight. Or maybe the size differential is just too great. So we collapse, we dissociate, we immobilize, or we play dead. Think of a possum playing dead. Think about a mouse in the jaws of a cat. It might not be dead. It actually might just be in a shutdown state, in this state of conservation, and where everything slows down to basically mimic death. In this state, there's a massive drop in blood pressure and heart rate. Because again, slowing down, where everything in the body is slowing down. There is reduced blood flow to the brain, and that might be very closely associated with dissociation. Here's uh, Dr. Portis discussing that in an interview that I did with him way back in episode 15. If you're going to go into a, a shutting down response, you have less blood flow. Right. But it, the other part is I would say that dissociation is an adaptive feature that we use. Uh, in place of passing out. So I now have, so we may have had our first, you know, where we just, you know, we're, we're challenged and we passed yeah. out. And now we just go to a safe place. It's like the nervous system has this, this valve and it says, you know, if you pass out, you could really get hurt. You could die. You could fall off of right. something. But if you just go someplace safe, no one's going to bother you. Many, many people dissociate to various yeah. degrees. And some parts of it, we, we say, this is wonderful. You're creative. You're, you know, this is where you're going to come up with your ideas. But others violate the concept of being present. They, in the interaction, they just disappear on you. Real severe dissociative states have a major autonomic component because they can result in, in passing out. And they can result in a total flatness of muscle tone and, and engagement. 
Also in shutdown, there's something called apnea, which is a temporary cessation of breathing. Breathing, the in-between breaths becomes longer. Sleep apnea, if you have sleep apnea like I do, it's a very serious reduction in breathing and is very, very not safe. Sleep apnea can be so severe, actually, that people like myself might require a like a mask that they wear at nighttime that forces air into their lungs to make sure that they stay uh, alive. So, yeah, apnea is not good. Also, in this shutdown state, we have inhibited movement. With inhibited movement, there's less need for food because there's de- our uh, metabolism goes down. So, decreased metabolism, less need for food, and that allows that inhibited movement. In the shutdown state, our pain threshold is raised. Remember the polyvagal ladder. The shutdown state is at the bottom of the polyvagal ladder that lives in the gut. And that's really where you'll feel the shutdown, or you could feel the shutdown state. If you're really attuned to it, is there might be some stuff going on in the gut. Like if you've ever been around somebody that just kind of creeps you out. Like they, they give you some sort of sensation in your gut, like your gut, you ever heard of like your gut telling you something? So that's that shutdown system coming alive and activating enough to where you actually notice it and you feel it. Humans are not the only ones that can go into shutdown, pretty much, uh, I think, I don't know about all species, but I, I believe all species can. This can look very similar to other species. There will, or maybe even more pronounced. With a, because with human beings, we have a version of shutdown. We, don't, we might not always actually collapse and pass out. But we have some sort of version of this. And, and maybe we do do that, but day to day it does look different. When animals shut down, there might be like an odd posture they take on. They might emit a foul-smelling odor from their anal glands. They might even stick out their tongue. All this, you guessed it, it mimics death. It looks like a, a corpse. Because if a predator sees this and smells this, this might actually be some sort of evolved response to avoid a corpse. Because corpses might carry uh, bacteria that would be harmful for whatever predator ingests it. Animals might also play dead because when they do so, they are in a way sacrificing their neighbors to make sure that they they live. Like if a predator is chasing or begins to chase a herd of whatever. Then if one of them goes into shutdown, that predator might be more likely to avoid or ignore the member of the herd that's in shutdown. And the predator might utilize its sympathetic flight fight energy, actually fight energy, I guess, there in that situation, to continue to chase the ones that are mobile. Once the predator has their system active, they can't exactly stop. They need to use the energy in, in that short burst. So they might be more likely to ignore the prey that's in a shutdown state. Plus, if it looks like a corpse and smells like a corpse, that might add to the the potential for surviving in that situation. Animals have the capacity to come out of this state in a fairly short manner of time. They shut down, but they will also come out of it. And they're, they're constantly kind of looking for cues of safety, and so are we. We are still scanning for cues of safety or the potential to utilize our sympathetic energy uh, while we're in the shutdown state. We're, we're, we're looking for those opportunities to pop up out of shutdown and then use sympathetic energy to get to safety. For human beings, when we can't use socialization, that's our first attempt to mitigate danger. If we can't use socialization, 
and if we can't avoid danger by running away or fighting, then shutdown is the last kind of last resort. It's a state that we go into as last resort. Just like with other animals, for us, same thing. It's, it's supposed to be a short duration of immobilization, not an ongoing thing. If you're interested in seeing a really interesting but pretty darn severe version of what shutdown can look like in human beings, there's a Netflix film called Life Overtakes Me. And I'll, I'll just read the, the uh, synopsis here or the description on, on Netflix. It says, In the grip of trauma, hundreds of refugee children in Sweden withdraw from life's uncertainties into a coma-like illness called resignation syndrome. It's a documentary about a handful of children that are refugees that have come to Sweden, but their status as citizens or not, whether they get to stay there or get deported uh, back to where they came from, is up in the air. So there's no certainty. They've already escaped from the from, from wherever they I forget where it was, but they they escaped from wherever they came from. They've already had a bunch of trauma, traumatic incidents in their life, so they escape. They get to Sweden, but they're not guaranteed to be able to stay. So they can't exactly run from this situation. It's out of their hands. They can't exactly fight it. And they're in this sort of waiting game. So the children in this in this uh, documentary, they go into this very extreme shutdown state for months and months and months. Definitely worth uh, the watch. This is a clip from the trailer. This is a doctor describing her impressions of what is happening. When I do the examination, I tell the parents that you are the ones who are suffering because of her condition. This is a way of protection. She is just waiting for the situation to be better. Human beings can get stuck in shutdown. Now, it might not be a full-on shutdown where we're actually collapsed and immobile. It might be some version of that. What's true with all these states is that we don't really see them in their like purest form day to day. We see some version of them. So if you live in a flight sympathetic energy, it's not like you're running around all day. But you might exist in a state of or with feelings of anxiety or nervousness. So it's not a full on running away flight sympathetic energy, but the energy is there. It does kind of color your day-to-day experience. If you exist in a sympathetic fight energy, you might just kind of be irritated a lot. And if you're in a stuck shutdown state, well, this has its own flavor for the world as well. So humans can get stuck here. Animals don't really get stuck here. I guess they can. Wild animals are pretty darn good about self-regulating. Animals in the home might be different. But human beings, we definitely can get stuck in this in this state in any of these defensive states but we're talking about shutdown here in particular and when we get stuck in this shutdown state the day-to-day experience of it is really a reflection of of the evolutionary benefits of conservation and of psychological disconnection and of numbness those have benefits to that immediate need for survival and those benefits when we look at them day-to-day day in day out they're still there, but it's not exactly a benefit anymore for just for daily functioning. When we're stuck in a shutdown state, the world is overwhelming. It's uninteresting, potentially. It's pointless, or it feels that way, at least. I think overwhelm 
is a pretty common experience of that. There's less interest in things that used to be interesting or in the world in general. And we might not see a point. We might not feel or see a point to going to school or trying harder at work or putting more effort into our relationships. We have feelings of hopelessness in the daily shutdown state. Feelings of numbness and fogginess. We feel tired, lethargic, like our, our energy has just been sucked out of us. We feel disconnected. We feel alone and abandoned and, and worthless. Sounds like depression, right? These are common words that I hear my clients use to describe their shutdown state. It's usually an experience of fogginess or cloudiness or gray. That's kind of how they describe what it feels like to be in that state. It's different here and there, but it's the same kind of theme of just this sort of fogginess, like the disconnected, the senses are, are numbed or, or dulled. There's no vibrancy to the daily experience. In this stuck state, we have a loss of energy. We have a loss of motivation, a loss of connection and hope, and a loss of executive functioning as well. We don't do super well with our higher brain functions. Because if we're shutting down in the wild and we have to survive, we have no need to think critically. So all those things get shut down as a way to prioritize what needs to happen in that shutdown state, which is slowing everything down and shutting off unnecessary bodily functions and processes and executive functioning is one of those things. In this stuck defensive state of shutdown, we become more cold, but not cold on the skin exactly. It's more of a reduced blood circulation. So internally we feel colder. And I remember one of my clients saying that. She said, I feel cold in, in that moment where she was describing what she was feeling in the moment. She said, I feel cold, but not on my skin. I feel cold like inside. Does that make sense? Like she asked me, that makes sense. And I knew about this state. And I said, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And she, she definitely was in a very shutdown state. We become more cold. We become, become more dissociative. So disconnected from reality or disconnected from our bodies. We feel more isolated. That's a huge one. And we become not just feeling, but we become actually more isolated. We tend to isolate ourselves. We tend to have this impulse to be alone. And I think there's some value in that. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. In the daily state, we become more disoriented, just disoriented to time or where we're at or who we're with or to our senses. The experience of our senses is dulled. So we're kind of disoriented to what's around us. This is a clip, uh, about a minute or so, a clip from a show called WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. Fantastic show, by the way. It, it is a superhero Marvel thing, but there's a lot of substance to it. Wanda, throughout the Marvel cinematic uh, movies, goes through a number of very traumatic incidents. And this is her describing to Vision what, what life is like for her. The context is uh, there's a lot of grief within her, and, and that is directly connected to, spoiler alert, her brother Quicksilver, who has the superhuman uh, ability to run really fast. Quicksilver was, was killed. 
And that's one of many things that she is wrestling with. And so here she is describing to Vision what her life is like. Wanda, I don't presume to know what you're feeling, but I would like to know, should you wish to tell me, should that be of some comfort to you? What makes you think that talking about it would bring me comfort? Oh, see, I read that... Uh, the only thing that would bring me comfort is seeing him again. wave washing over me again and again. It knocks me down, and when I try to stand up, it just comes for me again. And I can't. It's just gonna drown me. Deb Dana has this concept of story follow state that I've already mentioned a number of times, but real quick, the idea of story follow state is that the thoughts in our head follow or mirror whatever polyvagal state that our body is in, our autonomic nervous system is in. If you're in a safe and social state, your thoughts are going to be more hopeful and connected and empathetic. If you're in a flight fight state, your thoughts are going to be more uh, with blame or avoiding responsibility, deflecting blame, deflecting responsibility. And likewise, this applies to the shutdown state as well. If you're in a shutdown state, your thoughts are going to become, well, it's going to be a lot of judgment, self-judgment a lot of self-blame. So now it's more directed toward the self rather than deflecting it or being aggressive and putting it onto somebody else. Now it's toward the self. It matches the state. And in, the, in this state, physically, uh, what I've already kind of described in the, in the daily experience of being in a shutdown state, it feels or can feel very folded or collapsed or small. So these thoughts, these story fall state, these thoughts just reinforce that. Blaming the self, judging the self, it keeps the body in, in that folded, small state of shame and guilt. And I think shame and guilt are pretty big feelings associated with the state as well. Our thoughts in the state become more pessimistic, like what's the point and I can't do it, why bother trying? Our thoughts in the state become more uh, revolving around worthlessness, like I'm unlovable and nobody likes me and I'm alone and I always will be. There's no value to the self, or there can be none. There's no excitement or motivation about life. This is very common in the individuals that I'm working with who are in more of a shutdown state. Is that they know, you know, like school's important. They know that succeeding at work is important, but lack the emotional experience of motivation they lack the energy that you need in order to get stuff done it just feels like everything all the energies have just been sucked out of their system it is possible to come out of the shutdown state good news but it is very difficult and it requires a lot of patience this is not it's not something that we can rush and what makes it even more difficult is that like i said before there's a lot of judgment toward the self in the shutdown state, right? 
So when we need patience and when we need acceptance and when we need curious self-reflection, those self-judgmental thoughts make it really difficult to achieve that, right? To be patient and to look inward and be curious. Those kind of thoughts and feelings make it a lot more difficult. Point being is it's not something we can rush. It's just, it's a little bit at a time. This is Deb Dana discussing how to not help somebody come out of shutdown. You know, I was teaching the other day, and you know, we think about dorsal as the, the turtle that goes into its shell, right, and, and it's hiding. And, and <laughs> this lovely guy, he said, well, now it makes sense because to get a turtle to come out of the shell, you don't knock on its shell. <laughs> And you don't, and you don't shake them. I said exactly. You just kind of sit there patiently. Building safety anchors can actually be really helpful with this because, while it's difficult to feel that sympathetic energy and maintain it, what can help is building the capacity to stay in the present moment, to stay with that energy. And what's necessary for that is for our safe and social pathways to be developed enough or strong enough to be able to handle all that sympathetic energy that's returning. Building safety anchors helps you to identify what brings you to safety. And it sets up a 30-day guided learning and doing curriculum, basically, where you figure out what works for you and then practice it each day. And this is all in small doses, all in the effort to help you build your safety pathways to feel safer to have your social engagement come online more to exercise it so that we can actually tolerate that sympathetic flight fight energy as it returns or as it builds. That's called Building Safety Anchors. It's on my website, justinlmft.com. Coming out of this requires a gentle return of energy, not a forceful one that doesn't go very far, a gentle return of energy. Part of this might be reorienting or probably will be reorienting to the environment, especially just noticing what is around you, and especially if it's not too stimulating. Expecting to come out of a shutdown state at a concert eh, might not be super helpful. I don't know. Expecting to come out of a shutdown state in a you know boxing gym where there's lots of pounding and loud noises and hitting and uh, maybe even potentially like bright lights and whatnot. Eh, it might not be the best place to reorient the environment. Ideally, we want to do so in a situation or an environment where it's not overly stimulating. We want to be able to stimulate the senses just enough to notice it, not but not over, not too much. Being overwhelmed in the state is very easy. It's very easy to get there. It might be something as simple as being outside and just feeling a breeze or watching a tree in the wind or in a, in a slight wind. It might be something as simple as feeling grass or really checking out a flower and smelling it. Like literally, and it sounds corny, but it might be just utilizing your senses in easy ways or like, like that. Smelling a lemon. These are some of the things that work for me. Just simple things that you can mindfully attune to and really experience that are not overwhelming. We can do some small actions in the state like walking. That might be helpful. Not, you know, walking to burn off calories and, you know, really pushing yourself on a, on a bike or anything like that. But no, just, just walking and being a part of wherever you're at. If, hopefully it's a safe area that's not overly stimulating. 
today I was walking around my backyard. I felt myself in more in a shutdown state. Not not full on collapse, obviously, but just I had that shutdown flavor going. And it helped to just sit in the backyard first, reorient and watch the trees and the and the breeze, feel it on my skin, listen to the birds. And then just take a, a walk around my backyard. It's big enough to where I can get up and walk around and really stop by the flowers and feel the grass. So little things like that can help your energy come back. I often ask my clients to use their imagination when it comes to their shutdown energy and just imagine what their body wants to do with that lack of energy. And often what they'll describe is going into the room or a room with the lights off or very dim and just getting in bed under the blankets and closing their eyes. They first just want to be still and be alone with low stimulation. Not that they want to, but it's that's more of like their body's impulse. Like if they were to really give in to what that shutdown state wanted, it that's what it, w- it would look like. And I, I asked them just to continue to use their imagination and and ask them what would your body want to do next. And usually they'll describe opening their eyes and just looking around and just kind of reorienting. So little bits at a time, patience coming back to the environment first. Safe and social cues like eye contact and and gentle smiles from safe other people, that that can be helpful. Calm can be helpful. Quiet can be helpful. And, you know, music can be helpful if it's the right kind and you really got to be aware of what kind of music helps to bring you out of your shutdown state. I've got a playlist for each of my polyvagal states that I find very helpful. But usually I like quiet. And as my energy begins to return, that's when I'll turn to music and help kind of use that as a resource to help me continue to climb my polyvagal ladder. Coming out of this state is actually pretty darn noticeable as a therapist watching somebody in session. You see their body begin to move. You see them using their muscles. They sit up, they lean forward. That's kind of the first thing. They might not be smiling and everything yet, but because their safety state's not quite online or not online enough. But you see the energy come back in their system. I've seen clients that start off the session basically just as puddles of human being. They're sort of laying there in the chair, collapsed. But as the session goes on, they, they, they sit up, they perk up. They're leaning forward. They're breathing a little bit more regular or a lot more regularly. So you can see it. As the energy returns, you can see it. You can feel it too. The thoughts of my clients, they'll change. They'll become, the thoughts will become more about motivation and feeling like powerful and feeling like or thinking that, yes, I can do it and I can handle this and this is possible and I do have the motivation. Today, going back to, to myself today with my own shutdown state and coming out of it, as I felt more energy come into my system just from being outside in the backyard and having some some stillness. I uh, I notice more playful energy, so, so I, I play catch with my son just back and forth a little bit. I help make dinner. I, I can't stand cooking, but I help make dinner. <laughs> I do like grilling, though, so I, I grilled chicken. That was an uh, activity that was a good fit, just hanging out in the backyard, grilling. That was perfect. 
Before my son went to bed, I helped him to cut out some Mother's Day designs he made and had the capacity just within myself to check in with him about his feelings uh, right before bedtime. He likes to talk about his feelings. Through my process of self-regulation and calmness and reorienting to the environment, I had enough capacity to be able to interact at a pretty good level. I was, I was happy with the way things went tonight. That's what shutdown can look like. That's kind of, you know, the experience of it in general. It's different person to person, but that's, those are some kind of uh, predictable, at least as I've seen it, predictable experiences in reporting of what shutdown's like. Coming out of shutdown into, up the Paul Vega ladder and into that flight fight sympathetic state can actually in itself be a cue of danger and bring that individual right back down their ladder into their shutdown state. If you're not used to having that sympathetic energy in your system, being able to maintain it and prolong it and be with it and welcome it back is, is very difficult. Your body has been in conservation mode for so long that when the energy is turned on, it's easy to lose it. It's hard to, to begin to feel some mobilizing energy to climb the ladder. I, I think in the beginning for many people, climbing out of dorsal is, is really difficult. I know with my clients in the beginning, it, it's more of a, they need a co-regulator. They need somebody to accompany them. It's very hard to do on, on your own. In therapy, you can maintain access maybe to, you know, because you have a therapist, there's co-regulation happening. It's a safe environment. But once you lose that, it is very difficult to maintain that, that energy. So that can bring the individual right back down into their shutdown state. The last thing I want to say here before I wrap up this episode is that shutdown and freeze are different. I made this mistake way back in episode four. I made this mistake up until I talked with Dr. Porges in episode 15, actually, I would say. Shutdown and freeze are different. I'm going to go into those in the next episode when we talk about freeze. Freeze is something called a mixed state, which is kind of like mixing primary colors. So it's, it's different than shutdown. It, there's, it's a unique experience, and I'm going to talk about that more in the next episode, okay? Again, Building Safety Anchors, my course is on my website, justinlmft.com. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you've learned something new to help you climb your own polyvagal ladder. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.